Thanks for tuning in to the Change Church podcast. We believe change is more than a church. It's a culture. And we are living out our purpose so that others can find theirs. We hope that this message encourages and inspires you. Now, here's Ashley Hollis. You can say from this mountain, move, and the mountains move. I don't know what you have in your life right now, but can you just close your eyes? Can you just begin to speak that faith over those things? As you're speaking the name of Jesus over your job, the name of Jesus over your anxiety, the name of Jesus over your uncertainty of the future, those dreams that God's placed in your heart, the friendships that you have. Come on, can you begin to speak the name of Jesus over every area of your life? The faith of the future generations hinges on this moment right here. We set faith as a foundation for future generations. Jesus, God, we thank you for this moment. God, we thank you that we can have faith in a true God, a God that is faithful, a God that is loving, a God that is merciful, a God that is a provider. God, we thank you for that faith. We thank you for that faith in you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can you turn around, give somebody a high five before you sit down? Maybe you want to give someone your sin with a hug. Say happy Sunday. Happy Mother's Day. Come on, Mother's Day. You guys ready for today? Who's ready to celebrate all the women? I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Well, hey, how's everyone's week been? You guys had a good week this week? Are you ready to start a new week? Anyone ready to start a new week? Come on. It's going to be good. I know some of the students in the church are graduating high school, college. That is so exciting. We have so many exciting things coming this spring. And I'm so, so beyond excited that we get to be together today for Mother's Day. And I'm excited to celebrate all of the ladies in this place. Now, I was telling um, our team before we started, um, we got these books, right? The 4-8 principle. And I'm going to be speaking a little bit about this today. And if you got a book, grab one over there. If not, we have papers. You can fill out your address. We want to mail you one of these books. This has been my favorite book for probably like, well, I don't know if I want to say favorite because I have a lot of favorite books. This has been one of my favorite books for probably 10 years now. I really enjoy this book right up there with Draw the Circle for me from Mark Batterson. Um, But Today, I want to celebrate all of the ladies, and here's the reason, okay? I was talking about this in Huddle. Listen, I believe that as women, we set a foundation, and I recognize that today, Mother's Day, it might be 
an amazing day for you. You are so excited. You're celebrating. Maybe you have an incredible mom. Maybe you have an incredible person who stepped in as a mom. Maybe you are a mom and you're celebrating Mother's Day and it is one of your favorite days of the year. But I also recognize that Mother's Day can be hard. Mother's Day can be hard for those who are desiring to have children and maybe haven't yet. Maybe Mother's Day is hard because you're not with your mom right now. And it's hard. Maybe it's an estranged relationship with your mom. And hey, we acknowledge that. We're not going to live and, and be fake. We acknowledge that. But we still celebrate today because as women, we step into a lot of places. Anyone agree with me? I feel like when I got married to Elijah, 21 years old, and we were youth pastors, And I remember having students that were 15, 16, 17, barely younger than me, and stepping in as a mom, some students that didn't feel love, some students that maybe didn't have a mom to speak truth into them, to speak life into them. Maybe we're moms for children that are friends of our own kids or people that are around. And so we celebrate today the women in this church, okay? I celebrate you. I'm so excited you're here with me. Um, Like I said, I want to speak out of this book, The 4-8 Principle, and I want to talk about a joy-filled life. Anyone ever feel like you are in life and sometimes it's super easy to be positive? Does anyone feel that? Like everything's going your way, you've got your friends, you've got your job, you're getting all, and you're like, man, I'm good. God is blessing favor. Like I am ready. And then do you ever have the weeks where you're like, wow, there is really a difference between happiness and joy. Like you have to find the joy. You have to seek joy. Anyone ever had that season in their life? And today I want to just chat just a little bit about joy. I want to talk about living a joy-filled life. Ladies, I want to talk to us about this today, and God really put this on my heart a couple weeks ago, because I believe that we set the core, the foundation for future generations. Sean, I love that we sang that song, and a thousand generations, and I can cry just thinking about it, because what we put in place today is going to shape our children. It's going to shape my kids, and it's going to shape their kids, and it's going to shape their kids. I say often, what's my seed? is going to become my kid's floor. How far I go in my walk with God, that's going to be my kid's normal. And they're going to jump far beyond that. What I see as earth-shattering miracles, my kids are going to look at that and say, that's normal. God, what else? God, what else can you do? And so I believe that we have the opportunity to set a foundation for a joy-filled life. And so I want to talk a little bit about that today. And gentlemen, I would love you to stick with me because I think that we can all grow from this. We can all choose to live that foundational life. And so as we kick in today, you know, I, I, I have to tell you, this has been, like I said, one of my favorite books and my dad and I were chatting about it this week. And I've been really praying through this the past couple of weeks. God, what do you want to speak on Mother's Day? What do you want to speak? I mean, there are incredible examples of mothers in the Bible, right? I love Bible stories. I've said this before. I love to put myself in the Bible, not just like, oh, cool, Mary, the mother of Jesus. But like, really, if you were Mary, what would you think if God were like, hey, your child, 
is the savior of the world. Like, I would be like, what? Like, this is so amazing. Like, it's so crazy. And so, so many stories of incredible mothers in the Bible, incredible women in the Bible. And I was praying and I was praying and I just kept coming back to Philippians 4.8. And if you're taking notes, maybe in your phone, grab out and write down Philippians 4.8. That's a scripture I want to come out of today because I believe that God put this on my heart for us to live a joy-filled life for a reason. And earlier this week, it was very fascinating because actually I have, um, you guys know most of you that we also have a creative agency. And so I have my team um, a couple times a year do evaluations on me as a leader. So I'm like, okay, just this is an evaluation. How am I doing as a leader? What is my communication? How are you feeling like, you know, you're growing in your path? How are your skills being utilized? Am I communicating with you? Am I setting you up for success? Just, and if I can tell you one thing, my goodness, keep yourself teachable. Keep yourself humble. It is some of the most growing times of my life. But actually, one of my team members, this past week, we were talking. She had done this evaluation. And one of the things she had written on the evaluation was, I just don't, the only, like, I don't remember what the question was. Maybe it was like anything else or anything you have questions about or anything that, I, I don't remember the exact question. But what she wrote was, the only thing that is sometimes hard is I don't know what you're thinking because you're positive all the time. So I don't know what you're really thinking. And I was like, huh. And I read it and I was like, I mean, is that good or is that bad? Like, should I, like, you know, you kind of do some soul searching, like, okay, what is this? And so we were chatting through it this past, earlier this week, actually. And I was like, hey, she's like, do you want to chat through the evaluation? I said, yeah, I would, I would love to hear from you this statement that you wrote that I'm positive all the time. Explain that to me. Well, what does that mean? Because I, I just like, I mean, I feel like I have my hard days for sure. Like, come on, somebody, anyone ever had like five coffees on a day? You're like, and it's only noon. Like I have had those days. And so I was like, crazy. I don't know what that would be. And she actually made a very, um, very cool statement. And it actually caused me to do some soul searching. And I told her and I said, Hey, thank you so much for being so honest and so transparent. And she was like, listen, it doesn't feel fake. It doesn't feel like you're faking being positive. It doesn't feel like you're avoiding things. I just haven't ever seen it. So maybe I'm not sure what it is. Like, are you really that happy all the time? Are you really like, like we can have a client call that is crazy and I can be like, okay, that's great. Great. Okay. Let's go. Like just laughing and go on. And she's like, but I mean, it's like, you don't take off that hat. And so I, again, I did some soul searching and I sat for a couple days and I thought, okay, If you know me for a hot second, you know I'm a very strategic thinker, and so I'm always thinking next. I'm always thinking, okay, this situation's crazy, but what can we do? Okay, how can we make sure this doesn't happen again? Okay, how can we communicate? How can we, like, that's my mind all the time. I wish I could turn it off. Probably my friends and family wish I could turn it off, but I just can't. And so I'm like, okay, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. I'm doing some soul searching, and God brought me back to this book, and that's why I wanted to get this for you ladies Because I believe that this is why I can live positive no matter what's coming. 
I believe that it's scriptural. I don't think that it's just, I'm always thinking future. I don't think that it's just, okay, well, I'm just positive and I'm unaware of what's happening in life. I don't think it's any of that. I think that it's genuinely having a biblical view on life. And so I want to dig into Philippians 4, 8. Are you ready? Get your Bibles out with me. Open Philippians 4, 8. And we are going to talk about our thought lives today. Philippians, just some background. I think context is king. So we need to know context to this book. Philippians is written by Paul, and it's a prison epistle, which means that Paul is sitting in prison when he writes this book, okay? So as you're reading this scripture, I think we cannot negate what's happening in the situation. He's not in the middle of an incredible day. He's not in the middle of this incredible situation, and everything's going his way. He is writing this from there. And in Philippians 4.8, he says, and he starts with, finally, like, in conclusion, like it's almost over. Anyone written a very long paper and you're like, in conclusion, like I am over and I'm sealing this shut. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, if, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Finally, brothers, you see, earlier in Philippians, he's talking to the church, and he's writing a letter, Paul is, and he's writing about joy, and he's talking about overcoming anxiety and overcoming fear, and he's talking about all these things, and that's why when we find ourselves Philippians 4, 8, we can't take it out of context because every word in this scripture is critical. He starts with finally, like I've talked to you all about this. And Teresa shared actually in our huddle this morning, Philippians 4, 6. And it's, and let me start up in verse 4. I just want to give you some context. He's talking, it's all these exhortations. And he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, everything that makes sense in a human mind, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that's where we find our scripture today, 4.8. Finally, brothers, he's sealing it in. We talked about joy. Don't be anxious. Don't stress. Allow God's peace that transcends all understanding, and we seal the moment. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And then he goes, verse 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. You see, Proverbs says, as a man thinks, so he is. Our thoughts are critical. Our thought life is critical. What we allow to go on in our mind, what we allow ourselves to tell ourselves to believe is critical to what God has for our lives. We're in the middle of this series, Made for This. We are stepping into our God-given purpose. What is your purpose? What has God called you to? You were created, destined for something so special. 
but our thoughts are either going to move us towards our God-given purpose or away from our God-given purpose. Research shows, okay, that people think an average of 50,000 thoughts per day. 50,000 thoughts are running in your mind. Do you ever feel that? Do you ever feel so many thoughts like, what's coming? I'm going to do this. Oh my word, can I do that? Wait, am I equipped for that? Oh my word, where do we have to go next? Anyone feel that? And now that I'm saying them, you're like, whew, and that's only 10. And I have 50,000 a day, right? Come on, somebody. And so we have to learn to set a foundation within our thoughts. That's why I wanted to talk about this on Mother's Day because you see, I was obsessed with Philippians 4.8. Before Elijah and I ever got married, before I ever had kids, this scripture was something that radically shaped the way I looked at life. And it, it, it has affected the generations. It has affected Zion and Ane. If you talk to Ane, she will tell you that every day is the best day ever. Every day is her best day day. She, like, we can be at home and make a tent, and it was her best day. And then we can get to go to ice cream, and it'll be her best day. And then we can go on a trip, and it was her best day she's ever had. Everything is her best day, because she's looking at it through those eyes. And today, I really want to dig into this scripture, and here's the reason. Because I believe that it's not just positive thinking. I think that sometimes we get that, we get that mixed up, right? And so before you write this off and say, oh, this is one of those positive thinking, self-help type messages. No, this is not about positive thinking. This is about biblical thinking. And that's the difference. Positive thinking is, um, okay, like I'm just going to think on something different. Well, I don't like what's happening in my job. So let's just think about something else. Let's just find something positive to think on. Biblical thinking is choosing. I'm going to focus my thinking on biblical things. It's a lens that we look through. And that's what I want to challenge you with is this scripture, right? This scripture is a lens for us to look through. Did anyone, when you were young, did anyone have colored sunglasses? Like, that might have only been, like, my thing. I can't say if it was ever a trend. But, like, um, you know, you have, like, the purple glasses, the pink glasses, the blue. They're not in right now. I don't. Maybe they are. I don't know. They are. Okay. Look at that. Fashion comes around in circles. How exciting is that? No, so... I remember when I was young and we had all those different colored glasses and it was my favorite thing because you would literally see the world a different color. Like I loved it. Like I wanted to wear them all the time during school. My teachers were like, no. I'm like, oh, okay. Like I just want the world to be pink. In my perfect world, the whole world would be pink. And so I would put on these lenses, but that's what I want to encourage us with in this scripture is if we can take this scripture to heart, seek it eat it, meditate on it, devour it, it will become a lens through which we look at. Because listen, when I put on my sunglasses, what I was looking at didn't change. But the way I saw it is what changed. And so I want to encourage us, I'm not trying to tell you that when you grab this scripture and you live it out, I'm not trying to be a fake person and say, and then everything's going to turn around. Your life's going to be so easy. Everything's just going to happen for you. It's going to be so good. I don't live like that either. This was a week where if I'm totally honest with you, yesterday I said, I think I'm just going to stay in bed because I think that so much has been so crazy that it's just wow. 
But can I tell you that I still didn't lose my joy. I still didn't lose my faith. Why? Because even though I was still looking at hard conversations, I was still looking at crazy situations the way I looked at them by focusing on godly things shifted. And so I want to talk to us about that today, the filter through which we look. You know, I I remember speaking of Mother's Day, and I don't know if I've shared this before, but I remember when Zion was very little, he got really, really sick. And I remember being a new mom, and um, we had him, and I was, like, so excited. Zion, danger, like, so much fun. He is going to, like, crush it. Every clothing piece he had was rock star clothing. We had a stage put in his bedroom so that he could do concerts at one years old. Of course, with lights and a microphone, because how else does Elijah do anything other than over the top, right? So we have this whole thing. And so I remember we get this set up. And I remember Zion got so sick. And, you know, I just, like, I always think of these things on Mother's Day because I think that this is such, um, it is, it's such a crazy day to sit and look back and say, wow, as a mom, we've already been through so much. And my kids are only 10 and 8. They're not that old. I mean, I feel like they're older. Like, I, am I old enough to have a 10 and 8-year-old? But apparently I am, so newsflash. Um, but, yeah, I feel like, you know, I sit on this Mother's Day And I look back over all those situations, and I look back at the funny ones. I look at, you know, whenever we had Zion and we brought him home from the hospital, and I remember them telling us, okay, you're free to go. And we were like, what? Like, does anyone come with us? Does anyone check in on us? They're like, no. We're like, oh, so who do we call in the middle of the night? Like, what do we do? They're like, you'll be good. And Lodge and I look at each other, we're like, all right, you just brace for impact. Like, let's see how this goes. And we bring him home. But I remember when he was about one years old and he got really sick and we brought him um, to the hospital. And I remember we brought him up here to chop and we were like, hey, he's so sick. He's not drinking anything. He's not eating anything. He's not wanting to wake up. He's very lethargic. And I remember as a mom being just so scared. And I remember the doctors bringing us in And, you know, they always prep you for the worst, and I understand that they have to. And so the doctors came in, and they're like, listen, it could be bleeding on his brain. It could be this. It could be that. And we went through everything, and in our minds, Elijah and I are sitting there, and you're trying to, like, keep it together for your child, and you're trying to be like, you know, it's going to be okay. I mean, he's little, but still old enough to understand if mommy and daddy are scared. And I remember those are the times that this joy-filled life, it wasn't a joyful situation, and I wasn't naive to it, but it was choosing to look at heavenly things. It was choosing to say, praise God that these doctors are here. Praise the Lord for the wisdom that he's given them. I remember the nurses that came in, and one of the nurses had, or the doctors had gotten called in from church on a Sunday, and we're like, oh! Praise the Lord. Can we just pray over you before you take him in for surgery and all this stuff? You know, that's what this scripture does for you. It gives you a way to look at heavenly things, a way to look at conversations. And so I want to start to break this down. And I want to break this down because let me just share this because I feel like I've had some conversations in the past couple weeks about this. You know, where he says in here, in this scripture in Philippians, he talks about do not be anxious 
about anything, right? Do not be anxious. And the word here that he uses for anxious is do not think or meditate on. The the Greek word that he uses is literally to draw or divide in two directions. That's what the word anxiety means. It's being drawn in two different ways. It's like, I know I want to go this way, but I'm being pulled this way. That's, That's what happens when we have that anxiety that comes over us. But the word that he uses, the Greek translation, is literally do not think or meditate on. It's taking our thoughts captives. We talk about that sometimes, and I think that we say it, like, take your thoughts captive. Like, how do you do that? How do you do that is you take these words of this scripture, whatever's true, whatever's right, whatever's honorable, we take these words, and they're a filter through which to look, right? It's a filter to say when a thought comes in and it's like, oh, my word, Ash, you cannot do this. And I say, is this true? Is this right? Is this honorable? Is this excellent? No. Then I'm going to get rid of this thought. I'm not going to settle on it. I'm not going to dwell on it. That doesn't mean that we don't have the thoughts. It means that we take captive. We take the thoughts captive that are true, that are right, that are excellent, that are praiseworthy, that are focused on God. And we grab a hold of those into our mind and we say, this is what I'm going to fill my mind with. Because we're going to fill our minds with something. And so we're going to choose what we fill it with. And so where he talks in here, and I want to break some of these down, and I encourage you, get out your pens, get out your phones, jot this down, and then I want you to start to go through this week your thoughts, where he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, how do we know what's true? How do we take this truth? Because that's easy to say, what is true? But can I tell you, until you spend time in the word of God that is true, that has no false about it. Until we spend time in God's word and the truth, then we will not be able to measure up what is true. You see, when I spend time in my Bible, when I spend time in God's word, then I'm able to say, no, this thought is not true. This is not going to sit with me. And so we have to start asking ourselves, and I wrote this down because I think that this is something critical in our society, and I want you to write this down. We need to start asking, is it true, not how do I feel? I think that we live in a society sometimes where we will find ourselves, how do I feel about that? But I don't know because when I read the scripture, it's a little bit painful. Can I tell you that's just conviction? That's just the Holy Spirit inside of you saying, hey, God wants to use you, but this little thing is going to hold you back. God's calling you to this, but this area where we're settling is going to create that gap between where you're at and where God wants you to be. It's not about how we feel. It's about, is it true? Is it a true thought? And so we spend time in God's word. Moms, we have to spend time in God's word. My kids have gone through numerous devotions, devotion books all the time. And I shared this on my Instagram a little while ago. But one night Zion wasn't able to sleep. And he had gotten out his his notebook. And he was reading his Bible. And he was just writing down scriptures that spoke to him. 
Can I tell you, that's a through the generations kind of a thing. That's a foundation kind of thing. When you fall in love with the word of God, that's going to go through the generations. Your children and their children and their children and a thousand generations are going to know what's true and be able to make that decision. What is noble or honorable? We have to think on what's heavenly not what's temporary. We have to, this word literally means to revere or to worship. Think on things that that deserve worship, that deserve honor. We have to focus our attention on those attributes and qualities of God that are worthy of honor. Whatever is right this word right, you know, um, wh- whenever the word right, it means here literally whatever is in perfect harmony with God's unchanging standards. It's not right according to me versus you. Oh, does Ashley do it? So it's right. No, that's not what it's about. It's about taking what is right. And is it in perfect harmony with what God has for you? You know, in Romans, they talk, Romans talks about good, doing good, when we're doing good. And here's what I want to I wanna hit on today, is that when Romans talks about good intentions, it's not talking about good motives. It's not talking about like, oh my goodness, I was just walking down the street and I thought I should do this, so I did something good. That's a good intention on my behalf. I just thought it would be good. But what Romans talks about when he talks about doing something good, it's about doing something out of faith and obedience, out of obedience from our faith. When we set our minds on these things, when we drill into our faith in God, then when we act out of obedience, then we begin to act on what is right. We begin to act on what is good. Can I tell you that if you spend time with God, I promise you this, if you spend time, fill your home with worship music. My goodness, grab Elevation's new album. Hello, that's so good. Like, fill your house with some worship music. Spend some time in God's word. Sit and pray. And if you don't know what to say, say, God, speak to me. God, tell me who I am. God, tell me what you've called me to do. Read his word. He wants to speak to you through his word. And when you begin to do that, can I tell you, God will lead you and guide you. It'll no longer be, do I need to do this or not? It'll be, no, God, you've opened the door for me to be faithful. You've opened the door for me to have a conversation. It's doing what is right out of our obedience of faith. Whatever is pure. You know, Jesus is the pure the ultimate sacrifice. We've talked about this, but in the Old Testament, the Israelites would have to atone for their sins and they would have to bring a sacrifice and do all of these rituals and religious orders, if you will, to account for the sins that they had committed. And when Jesus came to earth and died on the cross for your sins and my sins, he was the pure blood. 
the perfect sacrifice. That's why the veil was torn. The earthquake happened. The reason the scriptures talk about that, the veil being torn, is because literally when the pure sacrifice came, we have direct access to the presence of God, direct access to him who is pure, him who is holy. And so how do we think on pure thoughts? How? We get close to God. We get close to him and we think on what he thinks on. You know, I ask myself often when I'm going through thoughts, and that's why it was so, it was so cool to talk with one of my team members earlier this week because what was fascinating about it was I think I have those days where it's hard. I have those days where I'm like, oh my goodness, like this is crazy. I mean, Leticia lives with us, so she is right around those days where I'm like, I just need to take some time. I need to turn on some worship music. I need to chill today. It is a hard time. But can I tell you that when you take those thoughts and say, is this pure or is this going to contaminate the rest of my life? What is this thought going to do for me? If I bring this in, how is this going to set my life? Whatever is lovely, does this thought produce rest or does this thought produce strife? What does this thought do for you? You know, my dad always encourages me because sometimes I'll call him and I'll be stressed or I'll have like, oh my word, I just want to talk through this. And he's like, Ash, is this going to affect your life 10 years from now? Is this going to affect your life 10 years from now? If it is, then it's worth addressing. Let's talk about it. If it's not, then Ash, you only have a certain amount of energy. How much energy are you going to put towards this? Can I encourage you with that? We have the, this certain amount of energy. And let's just say, for numbers sake, because we'll make it easy, you have 10. 10 units of energy, okay? If I give four to something that is not lovely, something that's stressful, something that produces anxiety in me, then I only have six more left. I only have six more to think on pure and things, but I can choose to put those four towards something that's pure, towards something that's lovely, towards something that produces rest. Whatever is admirable. This is probably one of my favorite traits, words that he uses in this scripture. Whatever is admirable. Admirable is admirable is thinking on things, finding traits in a person, in a situation that is not fault finding. Have you ever been around somebody that always finds faults? Have you ever been around that kind of person and you go and you're like, oh my word, this is so much fun. I'm so excited to go to this restaurant. And they're like, yeah, but I mean, last time we were here, da 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 And you're like, oh, okay, cool. And then you're, oh, my word, yay, we can walk and get ice cream. Oh, but the, the walk is so long. You're like, oh, oh, my goodness. Like finding fault in so many things. Listen, this is a choice that we make as men and women of God, a choice to find what is admirable. Can I tell you, I can have a conversation with Elijah and I can choose as my husband that I am going to find every trait in him that I am obsessed with, that I love, that is why I married him. I can choose to find those traits and I can also choose to find every little fault. It's my choice. I choose how am I going to view my husband? 
On Mother's Day, we celebrate moms. How are you going to view your kids? Can I tell you that I am a person of system and order and structure? And when I had children and it looked like Toys R Us threw up in my house. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. Can I tell you though, it was my choice to what traits do I want to find in my children? What traits do I want to see? Do I want to see them full of joy? Do I want to see them full of life? What do I want to see in them? Choosing what is admirable. And then we shift. As we end this scripture, Paul shifts the sentence structure and he says, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. He said, see, we start at the top. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is admirable, whatever is lovely. Then he shifts to, if anything, let's summarize all of this. If anything is excellent. Can I encourage you with what God spoke to me in this excellent thinking? We, as men and women of God, have to strive for excellence. And I think sometimes our society crosses excellence and perfectionism. And sometimes we think I have to be perfect to do it excellent. That's not the case. God is perfect. We do things excellent. In Genesis 1, if you flip to Genesis 1, all through this chapter, we're seeing God create, right? The world is formless. There is no light, there is no dark, there is no water, there is no land, there is no animals, there is nothing. And God speaks with his voice to create. And then on every section of what God creates, it says, and God saw that it was good. And God saw that it was good. You see, friends, we're created in the image of our creator. We are designed to create. We are designed to work. We are designed to speak life. This is how God created us. But he also created us to do things with excellence. And I want to ask you today, what are the areas in your life where you need to shift back into excellence? Because can I tell you, when you were created for something, you will never be able to settle for anything less. Elijah and I feel so called to ministry. I cannot settle for anything less. I do not feel like I'm fulfilling my God-given purpose until I'm doing what I was created to do. Do you know that you and I were created to do things good, to do things excellent, And that's why if you find yourself getting by, sloppy things, I'll just make it work, do you know why you probably feel stress? Do you know why you probably feel like, oh, I don't know, I can't think, I can't, everything's a mess? Why? Because you were created for excellence, friend. You were created to do things of excellence like God was. And then we talk about praiseworthy thinking. And I love this thought that God gave to me as I was praying through this. And the difference between what is admirable and what is praiseworthy. Can I tell you that God began to speak to me? The difference between admirable and praiseworthy is within the object 
of our thinking. See, I look at you and I find traits that I can admire. And I find things that I can look at and say, I love it that she does this. I love it that he brings that to the team. I love it that you're called to do this. I love it that when you come in the room, you light it up. Those are admirable traits. But when Paul talks about something that is praiseworthy thinking, it is attributing all of our praise to that who is worthy of it. It is taking the the praise and giving that to God. I want you to write down this question that I wrote down. And it says, the God who blank can blank today. You see, as we transition our thinking into praiseworthy, then here's the way we can answer these questions. We begin to think on things that God has done in our lives. God's provided you with a job. God has provided you with a community. God has provided you with a family. God has provided you with financial blessing. You go down the list and tell me what you can find to praise God for. And then you plug it in there. The God who loves can love me today. The God who provides can provide today. The God who speaks can speak today. Maybe you find yourself in a in an uncertain situation. Maybe you find yourself wondering about something, contemplating something, thinking about it. The God who spoke to you, the God who called you here, the God who gave you that community can still faithfully give you community. The God who called you into your career can still provide that job for you. And as we begin to change our thinking and we think on that which is praiseworthy, I'm telling you, it will change the way you look at everything. When I began to dig into this and dig into praiseworthy thinking, can I tell you that I don't have to, I, I, um, like I love Because I give praise to the God who loves. Love is not something I have to give. Love is something I get to give. I don't just trust God to speak because I have no other option. It's because I give God praise that he spoke and called me here for such a time as this. That I can trust and believe God will speak again. It's not a, well, it's my last resort. I don't give of my time, talent, and treasure because I have to. It's not a, oh, checked it off the list. It's because I praise the God who is generous towards me. And when that God is generous towards me, then it is, the, it is an overflow that I get to be generous with my time, talent, and treasure. You know, I read this quote, and I want to close with this. It says, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. Everything of our future destiny hinges on our thoughts today. It hinges on the thoughts that we choose to think on. In this book, ladies, you're going to find there's actually really cool, I, I love this book. It's an, it's an easy read. It's an easy read, but it's some principles that can apply to your life. And one of the things he talks about in here is he says, have you asked yourself four, eight questions? 
Philippians 4, 8 questions. What are five things I'm thankful for right now? What are five of my strengths? You know, it's okay to say, God, I'm thankful that I'm a people person. I'm thankful that you gave me wisdom. I mean, we sit in this room and oh my goodness, the intelligence that is here is unreal. It's okay to be grateful that God gave you that trait. What are five of my best achievements so far? Who are five people who love me the most? What five things am I looking forward to this week? I want to encourage you as we're changing our thought life on this Mother's Day, setting a foundation for generations to come as we shift the filter through which we look. If you would just bow your heads, close your eyes today. I want to take a few minutes and I want to allow God to speak to us. I want us to take a moment and say, what are those things that God's calling us to do? What are the thoughts What are the things, maybe the thoughts right now that you need to take captive, that you feel like it's never going to happen, you feel like it's not possible, you feel like you're not the one, you feel, God, did you get this wrong? Like, what? Can you grab those thoughts captive and just throw them out of your mind? And can you just begin to think on that which is lovely, that which is right, that which is admirable? excellent, praiseworthy. Can you be able to thank God? Thank God for the relationship that you have, not someone else's relationship, your relationship. Thank God for your family. Thank God for your job. Thank God for how he's shown up to you faithfully time and time again. It's like the manna jars. It's like taking something and saying, God, I've seen you do it. I saw you call me to this space. I saw you be faithful with the family you provided me. I saw you be faithful with the job that you provided me. And so God, now I'm trusting you in my relationships. God, now I'm trusting you in my friendships. Now I'm trusting you in my finances. God, I've seen you do it before. And so God, I'm choosing to thank you for who you are. I'm choosing to grab hold of those thoughts that I am called for this, that I can step into this. You know, sometimes when I begin to actually sit down and think those thoughts and make it a habit of thinking those thoughts, it'll become your natural. You'll daily have to make the decision. You'll daily have to sit down and cleanse your mind. I remember Elijah's uncle talking to us about that. Sitting down in the morning and cleansing our mind and saying, I am capable. I am called. Maybe you've had things spoken over you or people have told you something that now you're taking those thoughts captive because you were made for this. You were made for where you are, what God's called you to, the doors that he's opened, you were made for. And it is taking those thoughts captive. My goodness, it can bring me to tears when I think of that. When I think of the times in high school, I thought, what am I doing? I can't do this. I could never. This is not. This is all the thoughts. But it's daily taking them captive and saying, God, I want to think like you think. And I want to think on heavenly things. And God, when I get hit with a hard day and when I get hit with a hard situation, God, help me to find what is pure and find what is right in that day. 
God, help me to find qualities of you that I can praise for in the midst of a storm. Jesus. Jesus. Friends, I feel like this can be a freedom Sunday in our minds. This can be a freedom Sunday. Maybe it's dread and fear of something to come. Maybe it's an uncertainty. Maybe you are so excited for what's to come. And you're saying, God, I want to make this a habit every day. I want to find what is right. I want to find what is praiseworthy. I want to find what is admirable in other people. God, help me to look at what is admirable in my children. Begin to speak that into their life. Elijah's family always said, call someone what you want them to become until they become what you call them. Call them loved. Call them man of God. Call them wisdom filled. If you're in a relationship, begin to call your significant other what you see them becoming. Thank you for leading my house. Thank you for speaking wisdom over me. And watch them. Ooh, I want to speak more wisdom. Oh, I want to show more love. You begin to speak that. Come on, it all starts in our minds. And if you would, would you just stand with me today? And I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God would begin to free our minds, begin to take our thoughts captive, that we would center our minds on what he is. And if you would say with every head bowed, every eye closed in this place, if you would say, Ash, can you pray with me? I need to take those thoughts captive. I need to think on what is lovely, what is right, what is admirable. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Raise that hand. Can you just, can you just accept those thoughts from God right now with your hands stretched up? That's simply an act of surrender. We raise our hands to say, God, I'm here. God, I'm surrendering my thoughts. I'm th- surrendering my mind to you. God, that you would fill my thoughts. God, that you would help me to see that which is praiseworthy. Jesus. Jesus. Amen. Yes. Can you just worship him? Can you just begin to speak that praise? Thank God for what he's done in your life. God, I thank you for the friends that you've brought to me. God, I praise you for the words that you speak into me. God, I praise you that I once was blind and now I see. I once was in fear and now I'm in freedom. I once was scared and now I have joy. God, I thank you for what you've done. Can you just praise him in your own words for your own life? Come on, we're going to praise him for different things. At Change Church. We believe in doing life together. If you want to connect with us, you can visit us online at thisischange.org or any social media platform at thisischangephl. Thanks for joining us and have an amazing week.